0: Have you ever seen those red t-shirts that have the bold white lettering on them that say, Porn Kills Love? Those shirts were created by an organization called Fight the New Drug. This is an organization that has wanted to start a conversation about pornography for over 10 years now. And the founder of that organization, Clay Olson, is going to be my guest today on the Illuminate podcast. Clay and a bunch of buddies started Fight the New Drug so that they could begin educating society about the harms of pornography and combat the fraudulent messages that our mass media culture and uh, other people are trying to create around pornography and making it seem harmless and fun and exciting. And they've done such an excellent job of getting resources out, not only educational, but also tools and resources to help those who are struggling. So in today's conversation with Clay, we talk about the landscape of adolescence and young adulthood as it relates to pornography and what they're facing as compared to what perhaps their parents and grandparents faced uh, when it comes to pornography. So I'm going to jump right in with my interview with Clay Olson, founder and CEO of Fight the New Drug. Well, Welcome to the Illuminate podcast, Clay. Thank you so much for taking time to join us.
1: Thank you for having me. Pleasure.
0: Yeah. So I'm a big fan of fight the new drug. Um, I think um, you guys have had a massive reach and are doing so much good. And so, but I, I think that a lot of questions that I, at least the parents that I talk to, want to know is how big really is this problem with our young people? How big really is it? I think I think that that is you know people want to know scope, right? So yeah. What would you say? Oh.
1: Well, you know that that's a common question that we receive as well. Is like, you know, is this really an issue? And pornography was around when I was a kid. What's the big deal? Yeah. Um, and and really, when when I talk to parents um, that that have that perspective, I, I really want to help them grasp the idea that this is uh, an issue that is impacting this rising generation like no other generation before them in all of human history. Mm. This is a unique challenge to this generation. Um, not only is it more prevalent than any before any other time before it's, it's not a question of if they will be exposed, but you know, when and to what degree. And, uh, and this is uh, this is not only the prevalence of it is, is so uh, um, available, but it, but the nature of the material has also changed and adapted and ha- has become more degrading, more violent, more aggressive, more uh, harmful overall than uh, than any other time uh, in history. And so we no longer have the luxury as parents to kind of sit on the sideline and and sweep it under the rug and pretend it doesn't exist. This is right. something that is. Uh, uh, it, it requires our participation uh, to really address it and find solutions. Yeah.
0: So even if even if a parent's wondering, you know, was my kid affected by this? The answer is always yes. Every absolutely. kid is affected by this.
1: Absolutely, no question about that.
0: We're not talking about um, necessarily addiction or compulsivity or those those kind. You're saying affected? Yes. Addicted? Different question.
1: Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. And and uh, studies have shown that nearly eighty percent of first exposure to pornography uh, occurs in the home occurs right within uh, the walls that uh, it's kind of as parents our responsibility to to be a safe haven so we uh, we need to do uh, better we need to to engage and and uh, and understand this issue you just brought up a good point like uh, you know just because somebody is exposed doesn't mean that they're addicted uh, we get right. all the time parents You know, come in saying uh, my my kids addicted to pornography. He's viewed it three or four times, and we're like, now hold on, (laughs) you know, like let's let's talk about that because we overuse that term in our in our culture in our society. Right. Um, We we assume that any level of habituation uh, is equivalent to addiction, particularly with pornography, and that's just not true. And in fact, it can be psychologically harmful to use that language. With uh, with young people that are you know dealing with uh, you know early habits or even com- early stages of compulsion, um, you know, we we need to be careful about that. But but nonetheless, this is an issue for sure.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. To maybe as a side note here, the that word addiction. I find that with people that have struggled with it for years, adults that addic- that word can actually be helpful to break them into reality that it's a struggle. Where with young people, it can be so discouraging and actually push them back, you know, more into shame and hiding. And so, we really want to be sensitive to those young people and not over-label that.
1: Absolutely, and uh, and I'll be the first to admit that when, when we uh, we've been around for nearly ten years now, and when we first came onto the scene, uh, we were not nearly as aware of that 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 nuance and that distinction in the beginning. We used that word uh, to illustrate the potential. Uh, capacity of pornography becoming an addiction. We have since really kind of became more, far more um, uh, cautious and, and careful in the way that we use that word, particularly as we talk to adolescents and youth in schools and, and uh, in other types of events. Uh, we want them to understand that this can develop into that for many people, but that, that regardless of where they fall, find themselves on that spectrum of struggle, that, uh, that uh, people are there for them and that there is hope.
0: Right, and I think we have to ask really good questions of these young people to really understand how it's affecting them, instead of just slapping a label on them. Absolutely. So, why do you think teenagers, especially, are more vulnerable to pornography than, um, you know, maybe an older person?
1: Well, I think that you know some of that starts with just uh, the, the biology of the uh, developing prefrontal cortex in, in young minds as, as they're developing as they're. You know, really curious about the world around them as their hormon- hormones are, are really starting to to um, push them toward uh, finding answers to some of these uh, curiosities. Um, so some of that. It- is is because of that natural Just desire developmental. Uh, for sex and yeah yeah development, developmentally but a lot of it also has to do with the culture that we live in and the, and the world that they now live in that is very unique to this time and unlike any other time um uh, the fact that young people uh have unprecedented access thanks to the ubiquity of the smartphone um, You know they are bombarded. They don't have to go look for this. They don't have to go to the dark alley. They don't have to ask for the magazine from behind the counter. They don't have to, you know, d- stumble upon their their you know uh, stash of magazines under the bed. They, it comes and finds them wh- whether they like it or not. Mm. And uh, the industry uh, is is calculatedly targeting them. This is not wow. by accident. It's not just because it's there. The industry is calculatedly. Targeting them because if they can get them young, they might have a lifelong client, and that's it's all about money for them. Like the cigarette industry, absolutely. No, they are definitely taking uh, their playbook uh, off of the cigarette industry.
0: Wow, wow. And I, I heard you say one time that that in some ways that the uh, culturally that there's such an acceptance of pornography almost like there was an acceptance of of uh, cigarettes in the 50s where doctors were actually recommending them to people and yes. and you're you're hopeful that you know in in 50 years that we'll look back on this time and say how in the world were we ever so okay culturally with this problem
1: yeah, and I, I yes, I hope it doesn't take fifty years. But, All right, uh, I know. <laughs> but the the truth is that we were once that naive with regard to other issues, uh, yeah, um, like tobacco, uh, and uh, people just totally accepted it and had no, there was no real understanding, particularly from a scientific perspective, that there was any harm. And today, uh, just like those other issues, finally today, science is caught up with truth on the subject of, top, uh, of pornography. Um, pornography uh, has been proven to be impacting us in three main ways uh, uh, neurologically uh, uh, relationally and societally and and as we break those down and start to understand them from a clinical and uh, scientific perspective uh, as a society uh, we start to catch up with that truth and we start to say okay now wait a second how is this uh, warping and shifting our ideas about uh, love and intimacy and and how how is that impacting the rising generation? As um, and then we start to make corrections and course correct based on that information and knowledge. And we are seeing that now, but we're going to start to see that much more as as society catches up with that that research.
0: So I assume that it's really dangerous then for parents to um, to compare their experience of you know seeing pornography as a young person. The old you know, discarded magazine somewhere or the occasional late night cable show that they may have seen as a teenager to what their kids are facing today. And then, and then essentially minimize it and say like, well, I saw stuff when I was a kid, but I turned out fine. Like that there's, yeah. real, there's real harm in, in making that comparison. They, they have to understand that today's landscape is way different, right?
1: It's, it's completely different. It's um, sometimes I use the analogy that it's like comparing a, a, a baby kitten to a saber tooth tiger with lasers. It's just a totally different <laughs> world. <laughs>
0: I remember you one time telling me about a guy that you had talked to, whose parents had introduced him to pornography back in the old days, and and uh, yeah. and how that really, you know, becomes a pretty good example of of maybe how people think pornography um, affected people back then versus how it's introduced to kids today. Can you can you remind me about that story?
1: Yeah, so uh, I was doing a presentation in California, the Palo Alto area, and uh, a man in his uh, probably early forties came up to me after the presentation. And asked if he could share his story, and and he said um, he he said that when he turned 16, on his 16th birthday, his mother entered into his bedroom and, carrying a box of pornography magazines, and dropped him on the floor and said, "It's time he became a man," and walked out of the room. And of course, that's kind of a shocking story, and and I I have since told that story many times to different audiences, and I always ask like, how many of you. Uh, mothers, uh, when your, your boys turned 16, handed them a box of pornography magazines. And of course, nobody raises their hand. And, <laughs> and then I asked the man, I said, how many men, when you turn 16, your mother brought you a box of pornography magazines? And of course, no hand raises, is raised. And so it's kind of, you know, you step back and say, well, thank goodness that's not happening today. Thank goodness that's not the standard practice of every home. Because if it were, we'd have a real problem on our hands, wouldn't we? <laughs> and then, and then you you kind of sit back and you say, "Now hold on, wait a second. Right. Not only is that happening today to every young child, not in the same way. Uh, for instance, it's not a box of uh, 100 magazines; it's uh, unlimited access. It's not a box of magazines with you know, uh, you know, naked bodies, it's much, much worse as we talked about earlier with, with, you know, the degrading and and violent nature and the aggressive hardcore nature of pornography today. And it's not at the age of 16 either. It's at the age of nine, eight, in some cases, seven. So, so this is something that is, uh, definitely impacting everyone. And, uh, and we've got to, again, wake up to the reality of it. Right.
0: I mean, when you're handing a, a child a smartphone, you're essentially handing them the biggest bottomless box of pornography, right? It's it's essentially, essentially that message. If you don't block it, if you don't filter it, if you don't have restrictions on that phone, it could become this, uh, this bottomless yeah. pit of uh, violence, aggression, misogyny.
1: Yeah. And I could tell you story after story after oh, yeah. story about parents reaching out uh, in desperation uh, after having given their child an iPod touch or something that had internet right. access where they discovered that that was what they had been viewing for for months and months or even years. So uh, uh, yeah, this is something that, uh, and if you're going to hand over uh, a, a, a device that has internet access, there definitely you should consider getting some uh, filtrations or, or some restrictions on those phones. But more importantly than any of that would be talking to your child. Right. Right. Opening a dialogue, opening a healthy, safe dialogue with your child so that they can, uh, you know, so that you can continuously discuss uh, what healthy relationships are and to to pursue real love and avoid the hollow counterfeit that is pornography. Um,
0: So you think that so much of that education that parents can do with their with their teens um, is protective then?
1: I think that the most powerful tool that we have in protecting our youth is is uh, education is us talking and engaging, and the relationship that we have with them. I think the the tools that we have that we can implement onto our phones, the programs that we can uh, you know utilize are all fantastic and wonderful, and you should consider them but but by far, the most powerful tool is you as a parent, you educating that child opening up conversations this isn't a one-time event this isn't like uh you know like have the sit down talk get the slides open get the popcorn pop you know send the rest of the kids away and then have that moment where you talk about you know uh, what what uh, sex is and what relationships should be and whatnot and then and then that's it like hey we did it check that off like if parents still have this idea of a one-time conversation um they need to update their their uh, standard of uh, this is an ongoing layered discussion that starts sooner than you think and on into their adulthood. And I'm sure you have uh, a, a lot of thoughts around that as well as you talk to parents.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that a lot of parents um, in some ways send a, a bigger message. I mean, parents may fumble around to find the right words and maybe don't have the best research or, or whatever, but what they what they are sending their kids in my experience is a message that says, I'm not afraid to talk about this. I care about you. There's an open door now. And you're gonna struggle <clears throat> with this. And we're gonna keep talking about it for as long as we need to.
1: Yeah, and we're not gonna we're not gonna, you know, paint the picture that if you struggle with this, that that the only thing that you're gonna receive in in response is consequence for shame sure. and, and judgment and right. shame and like, okay, hey, give me that phone, go to your room, you're never gonna do that again. You know better. You know, if we respond with shame and mm-hmm. and judgment and consequence, they are going to bury whatever they're dealing with down so deep, and and it's only going to manifest itself uh, perhaps later on in life when they're, uh, you know, are in a committed relationship and it's uh, it's much worse. So we need to respond with love, uh, understanding, acceptance, and and support and encouragement to who to uh, to them, kind of uh, pursuing more healthy. Patterns in their life.
0: Yeah, and this is a hard thing, I think, especially for LDS parents to, to normalize this experience. Because uh, I think I think a lot of us would like to believe um, that if we're teaching our kids correct principles, if we're bringing them to church, if they're uh, you know if we're doing the right things in our home, that maybe there will be some way that we could completely avoid our kids having to ever be involved or see this or have any impact on them at all. And, and that's really just faulty thinking, isn't it?
1: It is, uh, you know, this idea of like, not my kid because mm-hmm. he's, uh, the, you know, he's involved in church leadership or, uh, not my kid cause he's an A student or not my kid cause he's the student body, whatever, um, uh, or, or she's the, this or the, whatever like it, it that those, those kind of barriers, those social barriers, the religious barriers, they don't exist when it comes to pornography right. it doesn't discriminate and it impacts everything and and a lot of parents say well how, how is this in, like my kid's good kid how is this impacting good kids you have a stereotype of, of of individuals that might deal with other types of challenges and struggles and drugs and you know it's the, that audience and and with this issue that just doesn't apply and good kids are getting wrapped up into this because they are being pushed with enormous force from behind from a culture that is pushing them toward this warped idea of sexuality and acceptance and nor- uh, normalcy around pornography, and uh, and it's uh, really hard to navigate that. And so again, coming back to parents, have to engage. We have to be a part of the narrative in their minds of, of uh, and uh, and steering them away from these these major challenges that the media and our culture. Uh, puts before us
0: yeah and these good kids have the exact same hormones and the exact same developmental curve and a lot of the same vulnerabilities that every other kid has so this idea of a good kid versus a bad kid I think is unhelpful because there aren't bad kids there's just kids that are struggling kids that have other vulnerabilities we just have to have a more honest conversation and realistic a realistic conversation about just kids in general and do our best to keep having these conversations. I, I love that perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Super helpful. There is so much more that I'm going to talk about with Clay in our next episode. And so if you want to learn more about his organization, Fight the New Drug, you can go to fightthenewdrug.org and look at all their amazing resources. They have so much on there, uh, including the famous Porn Kills Love red T-shirt. you can order there among other t-shirts that are less direct but still have a powerful message about counterfeit love and other things like that that really help us get the word out about the harm that pornography and other types of objectification and exploitation are doing to us as humans and as a society so go check out fightthenewdrug.org and tune in next time for the rest of my interview with clay olson with fight the new drug